Happy Easter Sanctuary. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Listen, I didn't grow up saying that in church. We didn't do that in Baptist church. I'm sorry. Uh, so let's try that one more time. He is risen. All right. You guys sound great and you look great. And we're so grateful to have a few moments to share with you this morning. My name is Edrin, one of the pastors here. We're truly grateful that you're able to worship with us here on this Easter Sunday morning. Resurrection Sunday for the super saved folks. They refuse to say Happy Easter. They only say Happy Resurrection Sunday. Come on, somebody. Listen, we, we normally worship for about 90 minutes. Today we're doing 60-minute services, so every single moment matters. And so let's go ahead and jump into this word as we uh, celebrate Resurrection Sunday together. Over the last several weeks, we have been in a series called Journey to the Cross. We've been on a journey tracing the steps of Jesus uh, as he made his way to the cross and ultimately to this Easter Sunday morning, this fateful morning that we now refer to as Easter Sunday. And it has been an exercise in homiletical discipline. Homiletics is the study of preaching, and it has taken some preaching discipline from our teaching team because from the very first week of this series, we've been tempted to run ahead and preach the Easter Sunday morning ser sun sermon. I, I wanted to personally preach this message seven weeks ago. That's how excited I am about this morning. But despite that temptation, our, our team did not gloss over the journey. We did not run ahead and get to Sunday morning. We wanted to walk you through the journey. Because if we miss the journey that, bring, that brought Jesus to the cross, we run the risk of failing to truly appreciate what happened at the cross. And if we fail to understand what truly happened at the cross, we will misunderstand minimize and miss altogether the significance of Easter Sunday. And so let me say clearly here at the beginning that for us as followers of Jesus, the cross absolutely matters. Because at the cross, we're able to see God's love. We're able to see beyond anything else. When we look at the cross, we see God's love for humanity and God's love for all of creation. When we look at the cross, we see God's judgment on sin, and we see the high cost of sin. The cross reminds us that God loves us, but God does not think lightly of sin. The cross reminds us that, that God judges sin harshly wherever it expresses itself. And the cross helps us to see that God sacrificed his one begotten son so that we might experience salvation. Amen. At the cross... We see God's victory over sin and over evil. Jesus' life could very well be described as one great big battle. He was constantly at war with the powers of evil and darkness. Think about his birth when King Herod plotted to find all the newborn baby boys and kill them, hoping to snuff out this new king, forcing Jesus and his family to flee into Egypt. Think of Jesus' temptation in the, in, in, the, in the wilderness when Satan tried to derail his path to Calvary. Think about the traps that have been laid out for Jesus by the Pharisees and the other religious leaders. And then think about the cross, the crescendo of all those attacks, as the powers of evil threw everything that they had at Jesus, hoping to destroy him, and it appeared at least for a few days 
that evil had won. But if evil had won, brothers and sisters, why are we here today so joyful? If evil had won, if it was just a, a man that died on a Friday, and that's all to the story, why did so many of you get up this morning and put on your good clothes? Why did so many of you put on your best pastels? Why did so many of you brothers reach in the back of the closet and get the good doctors out of the back? Why did we come to the house of worship today with a spirit of expectancy? I can feel tangible energy in this room this morning. Why? Because despite what happened on Friday, despite evil looking like it had prospered on Friday, despite the confusion and the wondering of Saturday, Friday had to give way to Sunday morning. Is there anybody in this room grateful for Sunday morning? On that first Easter Sunday morning, Jesus proved once and for all that he was not just another rabbi. He was not some moralistic Jew. Jesus proved on that first Easter Sunday morning that he was who he said he was and that he had done what he came to do. Amen. On that first Easter Sunday morning, Jesus got up, as the old preacher would say, with all power in his hand, showing that he had conquered death, hell, and the grave. On that first Easter Sunday morning, Jesus got up, as we sang just now, and the power of sin was broken. Jesus had won the victory, and God's plan of redemption was now more than ever on full display. And in our text this morning we get the chance to peer back into history at that first Easter Sunday morning and see how the followers of Jesus received the news of his resurrection. So if you have a Bible, would you join me in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 8. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 through 8. We'll read it together. It'll be on the screen. And the people of God said, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, and, other, and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guard was so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. Verse 6, He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Verse 7, then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, now and I have told you. And then verse 8, so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. There in Jerusalem, early on that first Easter Sunday morning, a group of women, disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, arrive at the tomb in order to help prepare his body for final burial. These sisters were unlikely disciples. The, the, the word and the, the value of women was not held in high esteem in that day. And these women help us to see that even though they were not respected, that throughout this entire ordeal, from Friday until Sunday morning, the closest companion that Jesus had was a group of women. The 12 may have been an all-boys club, but when the hour was darkest, when the stakes were highest, 
the scriptures seem very clear to tell us that the women were most faithful. The text says to us very easily this morning, the same thing that my grandmother and my mother and Pastor Rose have been telling me, and my wife, of course, every single day, learn to listen to women. Matthew tells us that <laughs> she's going to use that against me. I know it. Matthew tells us that Mary Magdalene and another Mary made their way to the tomb early that Sunday morning. When they arrived, there was, there was a violent earthquake as an angel, a messenger from heaven, appears and rolls the stone away. It's said that his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. I wonder if this is where we get the tradition of dressing up on Sunday morning, Easter Sunday morning. This angel was sharp. The, 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 his appearance was so extravagant, so lavish, so shocking that the guards who were assigned to guard the tomb began to shake and they became as dead men. Listen, I, I've, I've worn some fabulous outfits in my day, but I have never killed somebody with my fashion. This angel was sharp. It's right there in the text. I'm not making this up. The angel speaks to these women and entrusts them with an announcement of all announcements. Here's what Matthew says, chapter 28, verse 5 through 7. Then the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Verse 7, then go and tell his disciples, he is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. These faithful women, they came to the tomb preparing for a burial preparation. And they become the central figures in a resurrection celebration. And the message of that Easter Sunday morning it's the same message I want to give us this morning. It's very simple, and we can summarize it in two key phrases and then go home, come and see, and go and tell. Come and see, and go and tell. I almost turned it into a song, but I don't have the rhythm to do it this morning. Maybe next Sunday we can do it together, but come and see, and go and tell. You know, sometimes preachers have to Use every tool in our toolbox to help you see the truth of what's in the text. Sometimes we have to help you stretch your hermeneutical imagination to see what's there that God wants to bless you with. But that's not the case today. God loved us so much that he put the meaning of the text right there in front of us. God knew that some of you had some ham and sweet potato souffle and some sweet tea waiting on you at home. And he didn't want us to have to come and labor too long. And so it's right here in the text. It says, come and see, and then go and tell. Come and see is an invitation. It's an invitation, but it's also a bit more than that. When we read it in context, it reads like an invitation with a little bit of shade sprinkled on the top. Have you ever grown a little frustrated because you, someone keeps asking you about something that you previously had answered already. I've seen some of you on email do this. As previously discussed on April 12th, <laughs> maybe at work, per our last email, you will recall, 
and then you copy the email right there in the body so they'll know I've already told you what you're asking me. Quit bothering me. I wonder if a little bit of that is going on here in Matthew chapter 28, verse 5, where the angel says, he's not here. He has risen, just as he said. And so come and see is an invitation, but it's also saying, look, he told you about this already. And so come and see is actually more accurately, come, see, and remember. The angel was saying, come, take a look in the tomb. See that he's not there and remember what Jesus told you while he was with you. You see, more than once, Jesus had told his followers that he would suffer, that he would die and be raised from the dead. But for some reason, they were not able to remember. Let's look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, where Jesus lays this out pretty clearly for his disciples. He says, the text says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day he would be raised to life. Seems pretty clear. Matthew chapter 17, verse 22, when they came together in Galilee, he, Jesus, said to them, the Son of Man is going to be, trade, to be betrayed into the hands of men, they will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life, and the disciples were filled with grief. And then we look at Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, beginning with verse 17, where again, Jesus says in very clear language to his followers that he was going to be betrayed. Now as Jesus was going up from Galilee, he took the 12 disciples aside, and he said to them, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law, they will condemn him to death and will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Jesus' resurrection should not have been a surprise to his followers. He, he had told them over and over again that this would happen. But in their shock and in their grief and in their fear, what had happened to Jesus became a surprise to them. And so the angel does them a favor and says, come, see where Jesus was laid. See that Jesus is not here. And then remember what he taught you along the way. My spiritual imagination, I can hear the angel saying to them, I know you're afraid. I know you're having a hard time after what you've witnessed over the last few days. I know you've got a ton of questions, but if you will come into the tomb, take a look and see that he's not here. See how the clothes, the, the, the grave clothes that he was wearing have been taken off and folded up, which tells you he didn't plan to stay here. You will remember what Jesus taught you along the way. Brothers and sisters, you and I, may never be visited by an angel in this way. You, you and I don't have the privilege of, of being transported back into time and, and being taken to the tomb on that morning and seeing, having this come and see moment like these sisters did. But I want to remind you today that you and I every day have our own invitation to come and see. When we come together, 
as the people of God on Sundays, but also at other times. It is for the purpose of remembering over and over again the truth of who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and what Jesus is doing on our behalf. You know, one of the highest honors that we have as the community of faith is the opportunity to help one another remember the extravagance of God's grace. It's a wonderful thing when you experience it. Have you ever been in a place or in a season where it seems like life is tearing you down, where it seems like the doors are constantly being closed in your face, and you wonder, why does it have to be this way, and what way will I turn? And a brother or sister in the faith comes to you with a word of encouragement, and it helps to lift you up out of the fog, and it helps you to gain some clarity. My brother or my sister, that is a come, see, and remember moment. Perhaps you found yourself in a situation where the month is this long, but the money is this long. Anybody ever been there? I know we've got some ballers and shot callers in the room. I'm not talking to y'all right now. I'm talking to somebody who recently swiped the card and hit them with a Hail Mary full of grace, hoping that the transaction went through. If you've been there, if you've ever been there, you know that sometimes when a brother or sister of the faith comes to you with the word of encouragement and then slips something in your hand without even you asking, that's a come see and remember moment. Maybe that's not your situation. Regardless of your situation, all of us at one time or another will come to a place where it seems like life is working overtime to make us forget about God's goodness. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit will come to us and tell us to come, see, remember what God has said about you. Remember what God has done in your life. That's a come, see, and remember moment. These sisters go to that tomb, and they are worried, they are confused, they are heartbroken. And the angel calls them to the side and says, come and see. He is not here. Jesus is alive, just as he said. But he didn't just tell them to come and see. He also told them to go and tell. He told them to go and tell. So the angel meets these women. They're heartbroken. He tells them, come and see. And he gives them the announcement of all announcements. He gives them the greatest news that the world has ever known. But then he couples that announcement with the directive. He tells them, to go and tell. Sometimes it feels like the angel called them and said, come and see, and then says, hey, bury that truth in your heart. Hold on to it closely because it's just about you and Jesus. But that's not what he said. The angel didn't tell them to bury this life-giving message in the dirt until you feel comfortable sharing it with people. He didn't tell them to hold on to this message until it matures until it becomes popular, uh, until it becomes profitable for you to tell this message. He doesn't say to them, keep this message to yourself until you get all the words figured out right and, and you know what to say and how to say it. He didn't tell them to hold on to this message until you graduated from such and such seminary and then go and tell the world this message. Brothers and sisters, the angel says to them, moments after telling them to come and see, he immediately tells them to go and tell. 
He tells them to go and tell those who on the surface don't even deserve to hear it. He tells them to carry this message to the disciples, the ones who were with Jesus but didn't really grasp what Jesus was saying. He tells them to take this message to the disciples, the same group of brothers who were with Jesus, but when things begin to pop off, they ran away. He tells them to go and take this message to the brothers who were so distraught by what had happened that as the women were receiving this message, they still were somewhere hiding. But God loves us so much that he gives us the good news even when we don't deserve it. And so the angel tells these women to come and see, and he tells them to go and tell, go directly, go with purpose, and take this message to the disciples. And here's my favorite part of the entire thing. The women hurry away from the tomb. They run away with the gospel message, and the text says they were afraid yet filled with joy. That's not the realest thing I've read in a long time. Verse 8 of chapter 28, so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Listen, afraid yet filled with joy. I might get that tattooed somewhere. I don't know. That, that, is, that is our life as followers of Jesus. We're given the message, and, and, and if we're honest with ourselves, we all fear taking that message to the world. What in the world does it look like for me working in corporate America to take the gospel message with me? I'll end up in HR so quick. <laughs> what does it look like for me when I have friends from all different backgrounds and all, all different cultural persuasions? If I take the gospel message to them, what if it offends them? I don't want to lose my friends. But the text clearly says, the angel says, come and see and then go and tell. So what does that look like? It means going and wrestling at the same time being afraid yet filled with joy. It it means you may not have all the answers. It means you might not feel completely equipped. It means you may have real fears about how those around you will respond to the message. But the fear is, is coupled with an indescribable joy that will keep you going even in the midst of that fear. And so on this Easter Sunday morning, I want to encourage you to go and tell. Don't keep playing it safe. Don't keep saying, well, pastor, that's your job. That's the job of people who have the gift of evangelism. You don't know my corporate culture. What am I supposed to do? Pastor, I don't even have a pair of cool skinny jeans. I I don't have a social media following. How am I supposed to go and tell? Friends, you don't need a blog, you don't need a podcast, you don't even need fast Wi-Fi to take this message and carry it to the world. No matter who you are, no matter what you have or don't have, no matter what you have done in your past, you have been entrusted with the greatest message ever, and the angel says, come and see, and then go and tell. I want to call the band up. And as they're getting into place, I want to offer one final encouragement as we prepare to go home this morning. As you're going and telling, I want to encourage you to keep your eyes open because the Savior will meet you along the way. 
the resurrected Savior will meet you along the way. I'm not making this up. It's right here in the Bible. Can we look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 8 and 9? So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Verse 9, suddenly Jesus met them. Jesus says, greetings. And they came to him, fall at his feet, and they worship him. These women came to the tomb that morning heartbroken and received the greatest news the world has ever known. And then they receive instructions to go and tell. They're afraid, yet joyful, and they run away with that message. And along the way, the resurrected Savior meets them there. Listen, listen, you're, you're wondering, what, my faith doesn't quite feel like it needs to, it, like, the, like the way it should be right now. I don't quite feel anything. I don't quite know if I'm doing it right. Listen, go and tell. Jesus will meet you there. It takes your faith to an entirely different level when you begin to open up your mouth and share the hope that you have through the resurrection. And, and, and I want to challenge our brother Matthew right here a little bit now. Um, this is our beautiful outlaw that we're talking about. This is Jesus that we're talking about. He was dead, and now he's alive. He was dead, and now he's alive. And the text said Jesus showed up to these women and said, Greetings. I don't quite know about that one, because if I was dead and now I'm alive, I'm going to show up like, what up, though? <laughs> I'm living large. <laughs> These sisters meet the resurrected Savior, and they burst out in worship. Come and see. Go and tell. That quiet subdued salutation doesn't make sense and it doesn't make sense for us to be quiet when we have the message that Jesus is alive either so I want to invite you to get up out of your seats and we're going to worship together because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead you and I are given that same power that when we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior he blesses us with the Holy Spirit he blesses us with resurrection power so can we sing like we're losing our minds this morning? Yeah. Joseph, help us out, man.